and welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your host, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel. This weather sucks. I'm just going to flat out say it. I know. I normally try to give like some witty like introduction, but I came here. My shoes are kind of wet right now. Still, like my socks feel a little soggy. Honestly, it's kind of bitter cold out. It's funny. It's I, I, I immediately told my wife that he's going to find some reason to complain about the weather when we start the podcast. I'm not going to come up with a reason to complain about it. The weather is my reason. It's I, rainy. It's gross. I love this weather. I'm enjoying it. You I, try being in a school of 500 children and tell them, hey, guess what? Oh, no know. recess because weather decided. No, 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 no. Kids go loopy. It sucks to be We you. almost lost a few today. <laughs> That's what are you complaining about? Part. You're a giant kid yourself. You're probably loopy as, as loopy as they were. Well, I'm always loopy, <laughs> but that's not... I don't use the rain as my excuse. No, when I woke up this morning, actually, my whole sinuses were just destroying me mm. because of the atmospheric pressure. Everyone's felt out of it. The kids were hyper. But one of the fun things that we were doing in our school is, so viewers of the of the podcast may know that I teach technology to elementary kids. Well, right now we're doing, um, we're doing typing competitions, and I've never seen such amazingly fierce competitions. And I had a fourth grader today... You work with kids. How do you not see competitions? Well, I've I've seen friendly competitions and stuff, but this is a chance where the where the awesome nerdy quiet kids really have an ability to shine <laughs> and show off skills that nobody knew that they had. Like when we finally had the highest score today, I finally announced like, all right, we have a winner in this class. She put forty seven words per minute with ninety five percent accuracy, which is great. And she's a fourth grader, and she's apparently the quietest kid in the class. And everyone just looked around at her, stared at her for a moment, and yeah, and started cheering. <laughs> it was amazing. It was great to hear. So, How's it going, Mario? It, it, normally, good. it is Wednesdays. We just tend to have a better uh, chat room on or on Mondays. Mondays, yeah, yeah. We, we had to change today. Um, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, is that my wife was out of town this weekend, so I had to see her. But either way, I mean, ooh, it was good. 47 words per minute, 95% accuracy. Jeez. Yeah. I don't think I can do that, and I, I chicken peck at my keyboard. Exactly, same here. <laughs> Ironically enough, the tech teacher is a chicken pecker. <laughs> you know, but... Hey, I'm a fast chicken pecker, but I don't think I can get 45 with 95 for accuracy. Yeah. I Thank think God the best I did check. was barely in the 50s. <laughs> but I have one fifth grader who's who already told me that the other day she was able to get 67. Nice. It's like, whoa, whoa. That's crazy. So I'm really excited about that. Welcome, Mario Fanatics. We appreciate you joining in. Um, so today we're going to be talking about one of our top eight debates. And this is one that I'm personally really excited for. And that's why I gave it to you. i got to throw you a bone every now and then. Every once in a while you do. And, <laughs> and I'll give you this because... One of the things that I really enjoy is I appreciate it when we play a really fun, you know, family weight game. Like, I, I don't need complex games mm -hmm. every single game I play. You know, sometimes it's fun to just sit back and just play something that's either stupid or silly. And honestly, and not saying that these games are stupid or silly, but they're definitely by no means the level of complexity that a yeah. lot of companies go off yeah. nowadays yeah it, this one you're not dealing with like stuff like boards and dice which are like way on the or a Vito mm -hmm. Lacerda game or stuff yeah. like that they have their their place and mm -hmm. they're fun to play but sometimes it's just it's a bit draining yeah 
So this company is Blue Orange Games. Mm -hmm. um, you wanted to do a publisher. One. Yeah, we wanted to do a publisher. And they focus mainly on kids and family games. A lot of it is Euro mechanisms, but... Yeah, yeah, they work with a lot of well-known Euro designers like mm -hmm. Bruno Cathala uh, and whatnot. Yeah. And a lot of their games Phil do Walker and Harding. stuff like... Yep, Phil Walker Harding. They, they've won awards like the Spiel de Yaris before. And also on top of that, a lot of the games are really well produced. Too, no, I think. really well produced. Yeah. Like they know their market. They know what they're doing. And we're looking forward to debating them today. I know Daniel did not play nearly as many as I have, but uh, I was able to just barely hit eleven games. The eight or yeah, right. eleven plus the mm -hmm. three honorable mentions. That's right. So we're gonna be talking about those. Um but before we get into our debate today, mm -hmm. we always always like to talk about what we've been playing lately. So Daniel, what have you been playing lately? And since it's been a while since we last talked about this, I yeah. mean like I had to go all the way back to really talk about some stuff and I'm like, eh no, I've talked about this before, I've done this before, so I'm just gonna push those out of the way and talk about some of the more recent stuff that I did. Uh the first one I want to talk about is I really had fun with this game. It's a Bruno Cathala game and we're gonna have Bruno Cathala in here. It was our mutual friend Dom's pick. And so this was Queens, to be oh, or yeah. not to be. Yes. I Queens with a Z, Z with a Z for our European to viewers. To be or not to be, and it's not B-E, it's B-E-E, because -E, it's basically about bees and stuff uh -huh. like that. And you're trying to match sets of bees as you're building your little flower garden. Mm -hmm. And so every group of bees near a hive uh, will give you points, including the bees or three queens and stuff like that. And you have a cool little drafting mechanism, which really intrigued me with this mm -hmm. one. It's like, I could take three different tiles, mm -hmm. two tiles of the same type, or if it has a bee on it, I can only take that tile. Makes and sense. then depending on how many tiles you ended up taking, you move the, the little mechanism around the board and then my uh, your opponent has to pick from that row, and then it goes around the side of the board, and that person, the next person, has to pick from that column and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting how that worked. I love that drafting mechanism. And then you would have to yep. uh, once you can place your honey because you had to place I think it was like three or four flowers, and if you ran out of space and you have to place all on uh, a field or something like that, and when someone yeah, you hits, have to be able to populate the polyomino field. Yeah, the polyomino field. Once someone populates an entire five fields the game's over i really liked with this i wish it was a little bit more colorblind friendly some yeah. of the, the the plants i like i had to make sure like i'm gonna put all the reds over here and i'm gonna put the these ones over here because mm -hmm. the pinks because i'm like mm, don't want to deal with that so i'm just gonna make sure i'm not gonna grab pinks i'm gonna put all the reds over here it but i really enjoyed it i was surprised how much i liked it i mean i knew i was gonna like it because i'm i like bruno Cathala games i thought right. they were fun games that he does really well one of my favorite designers uh, go up there with like Stefan Feld and mm -hmm. uh, Phil Walker Harding. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I want to play it some more. <laughs> and one of the things I gave myself a note is the theme's non-existent. This could have been anything. <laughs> it really could have. <laughs> it could have been anything. Yeah. And it would have worked fine. So mm -hmm. <laughs> you could have made it space bees like apiary and it would sure. still work. Sure. You're collecting planets instead of flowers. <laughs> Yeah, it, it the theme is very pasted on, as with many Cathala games. games yeah. But, no, this one worked really well. I mean, just the fact that you could take... It, it's very Splendor-esque on how you draft the mm -hmm. tiles. So either one with a B, two different... Or two of the same, or three different. different. Yeah. Very smart, but you're trying to get groups of the same colors. Sometimes and you want the Bs. And, and sometimes you're also like... Ah, 
I don't really want to. I mean, that queen bee is going to be really nice for me because right. when you take a queen bee, you can swap it immediately with mm -hmm. something out there, uh, which allows you to do a little bit of a rearrange if you need to. Yep. So, like, if I take, like, all my white flowers and this one little red flower is in that grouping of white flowers, because you're going to score your flower groupings, uh, and because that's going to be your points. So, I could take this queen that's sitting on a white flower mm -hmm. and take out that red that's sitting in there and that's put right. it in there. And it's next to a honey thing. So, that's going to help out, too. And yep. I love that little mechanism, that little wherewithal. But then you're sitting there like, I could really use that queen bee. But then I would only move this one spot. And that's too and that's, good of a turn that's for too good you. For the next part. Yeah, that was the best part about it is is knowing that you could only limitedly take <laughs> one of some one to three of the tiles, yeah. but then it moves that number of spaces clockwise mm -hmm. around the board. That was smart. Yeah, I like that a lot. And also, like when it passes go in a sense, like uh, mm -hmm. and like in uh, jumps around the corner, Monopoly, there's yeah. a junction around one of the corners. Yep. When uh, you get a, a certain reward uh, if you're the one that causes it to pass. Yeah. And so that that's another thing. You're like, okay, can I manipulate this? Or when it's my turn, it's right. going to pass and I'm going to get that reward. I can't remember what the reward was, but it wasn't something big, but it was helpful. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> you get something out of it, but then you refill the board. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's the big thing. Yeah, just so it can repopulate. and it also repopulates the board. Yep. So, yeah, no, I really did like that mechanism because it, it's smart. It makes you think strategically. I could do something that can really, really help me, or I could do something that... But it's going to really set up the next person, or I can do something that still helps me, and you don't get a really good move on your next turn. Right. Exactly. So I did like that a lot. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. I, I was really impressed with this game. Very much so. I just wish it was either had a better theme or a better color palette. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The first game I wanted to talk about was uh, a solo game. I've been playing a lot of solo games lately that I've been wanting to speak about. This next one is the next in the Oniverse series. It is the newest one. Siberian. Siberian. And this, the idea is that you are basically fixing broken robots. You have to fix a certain number of robots. They have different criteria of how you can do it. Like you can discard uh, two cards that have the number four on it. Or two red cards or something to the, that effect. And you have a selection of different cards that you have in order to use for these um for these robots. Mm -hmm. And there's different ways that you could do it. So the way it essentially works is that you have a row of cards. You're, you have up to three rows. But one of them um, is like the flash row. I'm, I'm not going to get the names right on this. But the idea is like you have the main row, which you fill this. Those this, this is a family friendly. <laughs> you know what I mean. So the, 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 there's like the storage row, the main row, and like the flash row or something like that. Family friendly. Like, no, sir. They're robots. They don't count. <laughs> Um, but the bottom row, the storage row, those, those cards are just always in play. So I you could can, have made a Futurama reference on that, but okay. Um, of the main row, that's what refills every turn because the storage row never gets refilled unless you actually cause an action to bring them in. Mm -hmm. But the main row gets refilled every turn. And then the top row, the one I'm not going to repeat again, <laughs> gets discarded at the end of the turn. So they're kind of like temporary cards, but you can get them quicker, right? Um, you have to get through the... Or you have to fulfill all of these requirements before you get through the deck twice. Mm -hmm. And it's really simple. Um, but as you fix these robots by doing these combinations, you can expend them for basically experience points. And that will let you jump up the five different colored abilities. Mm -hmm. Because then, later on, you can actually just discard a card for its ability. Oh, that's cool. And then the better you've upgraded it, the better the action it's going to be. 
This sounds fun. I have to pick this one. It has some really cool variation. This is just the base of it. Like all of the Universe games, they have expansions, they expansions modules. I still need to play on Iron's need... modules. Yeah, I mean, oh man. I, I will gladly teach you the doors. Those are the main ones mm -hmm. that I really like. And um, yeah, I like there's the, some, there's I, some I, pretty wild and ones. Only because I played it on the, the app, the portal one. Uh, yes. Where it gives you that another that little portal symbol. Yep. Yeah, but yep, I, I haven't played it on the physical game. I've only played the yeah regular Onirum on the physical game. Absolutely. No, this was really impressive how it worked. I enjoyed it. Um, I and I was down to one one turn and I lost. I had one card left to go and I barely lost. Now, granted, it does say the very first time you play it, you should have an extra little bonus token. Mm -hmm. I forgot to give myself that token, so that's probably where it was. But yeah. the fact that I almost won on the first time, I'm pretty proud of. Siberian fantastic solo game i couldn't recommend it enough i do love anirum a lot and i've heard really good things about siberian mm -hmm. um i want to try some of the other ones uh, i do like the physical copy on Nyrum. Yeah. it's nice just to pull out a nice little quick card game yep. but um I, it's also a really great app too so it it's kind of hard for me to bust out the physical game when i could just you know put it on my phone and it takes care right. of all the shuffling and, and everything and i honestly think that that Siberian would make a really good app too. If mm. you just had like a little banner on the top of your phone or tablet, yeah, that you just click on to upgrade, you know, and it gets rid of your your robots and stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. No, I like it. I I do want to check this out. I want to try some of the other ones. I've only ever played Anirum, so yep. I don't know any of the other Oniverse. Nautilion is great. Nautilion uh, is fun. That's the C one, right? Nautilion. That's the C one. Uh, with the Arion is the kites, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, those ones are good. All right, so my next game uh, that I'm going to talk about is an oldie but a goodie, uh, and it's interesting because I'm going to talk about it in this segment because it is one of the games that has ascended. I got Return to Dark Tower back to the table again. Uh, it's funny because I want to talk about the, the story of why we got this to the table. Our friend was complaining because we played, um, I think it was The Loop, uh, and he's like, oh, it's a little too easy, and I'm like, well, it's because we played the standard game for I can teach you the game. Yep. So we played it on the normal uh, challenge mode and stuff like that. And it's basically just to teach you. And it even says this is going to be the easiest of all the games in here. And so he was complaining. He loves those really tough uh, co-op games. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, he does. All right. So I'm going to bring up these co-op games that are really tough. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have Last Bastion or Ghost Story. So I can bring this over to their house. But the wife's like, okay, yeah. We'll, we'll, I, we'll figure this out. And so my wife's like, what are your meanest and hardest uh, co-ops? I'm like, any co-op can be hard. just depends on how you set it up. Right. And so... Yeah, my first castle panic, <laughs> if you play with two monsters a turn, hardest game in the world. <laughs> yeah, so there's ways that you can make things <laughs> super, super hard. It just depends mm -hmm. on how... We always just play in a normal mode and stuff like that. Same uh, with Horrified. We only play it normal mode. We play against, yep. I think it's like two or three monsters. I, I think it's three in the normal mode, yeah. Yep, three. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this game over there because I wanted, I wanted to get into the table again. I love this game a lot. Yep. And so much so we enjoy this game a lot because it's already ascended and it only lasted a year. It went through one year of cycles and ascended because That's it right. was that good of a game. Yep. And this is Return to Dark Tower. Yeah, Return to Dark Tower. So good. The way I set this game up to make it completely and utterly difficult was that I um, I hit fully random on the app. So it randomized the monster. It randomized the, the, the foes that we'd be facing, like the big bad and the monsters. And this thing was rough. We ended up winning on the very last turn because the way this guy worked is that if he went over to another territory, 
mm-hmm. he would blow up a building in that territory with one of his cars. And if he sits there for a while... So, and I was playing some of the new characters from the newest expansion, because I was like, let's play the base game, but let's play these new characters mm-hmm. and see how they work. And I really enjoyed them. One of my characters allowed me to have corruption, and you get bonuses for each corruption card you have in one of your Valor. So, if I have one corruption, I always have one wild advantage when you're doing checks. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm like, all right, I'm doing this. I could hold up to three corruption instead of two. Whenever you get the third corruption, you lose. He liked to hang out in my area once we finally pulled him out, and he was blowing up cool my... cool guy. Yeah, we were, he was blowing up my buildings to the mm-hmm. point where it was ridiculous. I was I had a, I cleared off one of my... Because I had stockpiled a bunch of dudes to help fight this guy. Yeah. And so one of my, my special power is that I can sacrifice 10 guys to remove one of my corruptions. He destroyed four of my buildings. I was down to my last building and the last chance for me to clear corruption before I lose the game, in a sense. And he was bouncing between two characters that whole time. And so our friend, uh, she had already lost, or she got two corruption because she lost two buildings. And my wife had to go in there and fight him. She's like, what do I need to do? I'm like, you need to go. She had the magic carpet so she can fly into this territory. Mm -hmm. You have to go in there. I think we've done enough damage. And the thing is, when you're fighting the final boss, you don't know. know. The game will tell you if you succeeded or not. And so I've chunked him. She chunked him. Our friend um, uh, Angel, he he put a lot of thing on there. And then our our friend Maria put a lot uh, on it too. I was like, you have to go in there. Because if he bounces into my section or he stays in her section, or if he goes in the angel section because he's down the two of corruption, yep. we lose the game. You're the only one that doesn't have corruption because I have three sitting on my board. They both have two sitting on their boards. Yep. So he, uh, she jumped over there, and she picked the cards, and she had enough advantages and enough to sacrifice without her having to take a corruption. And she's like, I can't do anymore, so I have to retreat from this battle. I'm like, you got to do what you got to do. And she hit retreat, and it's like, beep, it was like, literally, if it bounced to any of the other locations and triggered when you put the skull in, yep. we would have lost uh, the game. And so it literally was down to the last minute. And wow. It took us nearly three hours to be fully random because nothing worked with it. Like, no. the, the bows were, like, one was Magic Beast and the other one was, like, Undead uh, Human or something like yep. that. So that nothing worked with all our advantages. So it was really, really fun to play again. That's awesome. Uh, the last game I wanted to talk about that we've been playing was actually a game that you were part of, and it's unlike a lot of other games that we've played recently. Um, we played it as a four-player game, and one of our guys, re- like, he actively argued against us, because we were certain what, we knew what we were talking about. Mm, this no, we played a three-player. Was it three-player? It was just us three, because oh, okay. uh, our mutual friend couldn't come. There. Oh, that's right, he wasn't there yet, yeah, or d- couldn't come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was us three, and... It was two against one, and we ended up... This is the first game where we've just straight up played it. It's called Unboxed. It's yeah. from uh, Wizards of the Coast. Uh, no, WizKids. Sorry, not Wizards of the Coast. WizKids. And Unbox is really simple. The idea is that we're a bunch of artif- uh, artifact hunters. Um, we're basically we're, our archaeologists. Archaeologists, yes. And uh, we've unearthed, we're archaeology students. We're working with a professor. Yep. Yeah. And we've unearthed like ancient board game components... And, unfortunately, paper or papyrus really doesn't last very well. So that all just deteriorated. So all the rules, who knows? So we had to determine from these components how to play the game that Mm -hmm. it came with. So it's a design 
it, it's 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 a level of design to give people the game components and say figure answer out. this answer yeah. these questions and so the there was a number of questions like how do you win um how, how do, do you set you, up the board how do you set up the board or what's the optimal way to set up the board yeah. um what does a player do on their turn mm -hmm. and how do you know when the game is over i think something to that effect, effect right? yeah and we had just a certain number of components and we had to effectively as a group solve this mm -hmm. now i won't go into how we solved it but um the the first game it was fairly intuitive like yeah. how we were doing it um the backs of, of the cards that we had kind of alluded to something mm -hmm. and we we set it up and we're like we're pretty sure it works this way and our friend was like i can see it being trolling and and we have to do it a different random way i think it's this way we tried and it then, and we tried it and we're like that didn't make sense but mm -hmm. let's try it the the way we think mm -hmm. and it actually worked Work, as a yeah. game like it's, a little it's push actually a little game yeah. i would play yeah like if i was just like oh i just happen to have this pack of cards on me and like these tokens mm -hmm. let's just play it real quick and then it worked yeah no i liked it it, it was neat and so unbox it has a number of scenarios in it we haven't delved into the other ones yet mm -hmm. but i was really impressed by the first one yeah, no, I, I did enjoy it. Uh, our friend did not like it. No. Nope. What did he say? It's like feeling like he had to take a test. He, he felt like this was homework. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, he was like, I, it's it's telling me to just look at stuff and figure it out on my... Like, I want to play a game, not yeah. figure stuff out. And me, I love escape rooms and like Yeah, no, unboxes, it was a nice unboxes. little puzzle trying to figure out how exactly. the mechanisms work and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. I, I attribute this and to, it was to funny an escape because room. Being around you actually made me better when it came to that game because yes. I was like, okay, I see what it's trying to do. Yes. I'm understanding the mechanism. I'm never going to be a game designer. I can already tell you that. Sure. But it allowed me to understand way mechanisms work better. And I'm like, when he was saying like, no, you need to mix these up and then boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I you, you think about, you got to think about it like, and I was coming from a historical aspect because I was a history major too. Right. I'm like. You got to realize they didn't have overly complicated games back in the day. It was basically right. shooting dice or you're right. rolling Move moves, just sin it. Yep. It's just rolling moves and you're trying mm -hmm. to get off the board. Yep. So honestly, if they're going for like that archaeological feel, you're right. trying to want to be as simple as possible. Yep. Like this way, it could be easily explained because a lot of these games will basically pl be played like in caravan routes and stuff like that just to yep. pass the time as you're going exactly. down a caravan. So. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right, and that's what makes it so interesting. Mm -hmm. Is this, we're using that context, right? Yeah. And then I was going it entirely from the modern board game context yeah. of it, right? I was going, okay, if this played like this way, then I mean I wouldn't design it this way because then you would have extra levels of X memory or yeah. whatever, right? And the arguments mm -hmm. I had to make for it, I was like, this is why I feel like as a game designer. Like, I, I'm all about streamlining and, and, and fixing, like, uh, overly complex rules. Like, stuff that is just there to be there, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, if if it was originally designed how our friend thought of it, yeah. how would I fix it, right? Yeah, exactly. And what we ended with made a lot of sense. sense yeah. Yeah. But so, Unboxed, WizKids, very unique, but it's very, very unique. Game. I did like it. I do want to try some of the other games and out of yeah. it, but uh, I guess you and I just have to play it sometime. Yeah, like pretty much. I think our, our mutual friend Dom would like it. Absolutely. I, I, I don't think he it. he wasn't there. I don't think he, I don't think he came that night. I think he had to call off that night. But I can check that up real quick. I'm pretty sure. No, I think he was there. 
uh, also one, showed, uh, but it showed up late because it was my pick. I also that the other game I was trying to remember it was Earth. That's what I showed to mm. Game Head Geek. Yep. And that's when I found out the little tree toppers are not player colors. They're just like different colors for like eggs. So you're only supposed to have four sets. I was like, I was confused. So like, I'm missing the orange ones. So I text, uh, 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 emailed Inside Up Games, and just as for all our audience out there too, if you're thinking you're missing a specific colors, no, it's just supposed to be like the eggs and wingspan, just to be different colors. This way, uh, you can match it like mushrooms and stuff like that. Yeah, but they really shouldn't then have the player colors the player matching colors the component colors. colors. Yeah. yeah, no, That's I don't fine. disagree with that uh, at all. See, as a game designer, I wouldn't choose. No. <laughs> yeah, no, he never showed up on that one. Um, oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, because it was the when we played like World War Z or, or oh World yeah League World Z League. Yeah, yeah, it was just the three of us. It was just us three. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I've been playing. And now let's get into our debate today. Nice. Again, this is going to be the top eight debate for Blue Orange Games, the publisher here in North America. And just for our Twitch followers, we're recording this a little earlier, so if you miss anything or want to watch the re-uploads. This will actually air the first week of February, so just That's let right. everybody know. We're just trying to get ahead of ourselves before we leave for Gamma. That's right. So we always come up with our honorable mentions, but we also put a poll in the Facebook uh, Board Game Revolution forum. We're going to talk about the honorable mentions here in a bit, but let's talk about what eight games are against each other. Mm-hmm. We have our number one seed, King Domino. Versus our number eight seed, uh, Cloud City. Our number two seed, Spot It. Versus our number seven seed, Goblet. Our number three seed, Planet. Versus our number six seed, Okaya or Naya. And our number four seed, Battleship. Going up against our number five seed, Brave Rats. Awesome. So those top eight are the highest eight ranked on Board Game Geek that Daniel and I have both played. played. And that's important because when we make our arguments, just like our other debates, we want to make sure that we give a sound argument so we do not include games that neither of us have played or that are lower than those eight ranks, we need yeah. at least those eight. So there might be some honorable mentions between us that we have played mm-hmm. between the between our In audience. Fact, all three of my honorable others. mentions, we have played together. Yes. <laughs> it's just... And all three of mine, you have not. <laughs> at least I don't believe so. You might have played one back in the day and just didn't think about it, but... Maybe, we'll, we'll I, we'll I don't remember. There was one I've had for a while. So, um, again, we post this on the Board Game Revolution group, and let's talk about the honorable mentions. All right. So, we have our first one, which is added by Ross, Ross. Beef, or <laughs> Ross, um, Museum Suspects. Which one is this one? That is the Phil Walker Harding deduction game. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah. Huh. I did play it. So, I, you had 12. I had 12, apparently. That's right. But yeah, no, no, yeah, I did play this one. I think you, me, and our mutual friend Dom played this one, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, we were trying to figure out who the thief was, right? Mm, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of those, but... But no, I, but I'm saying, like, it's like a fox or something like that, or, or it's like cutesy animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's kind of like, kind of remind me a little bit of, like, Outfox meets uh, Dinosaur Tea Party. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, so, okay. In a weird way. Yeah. Uh, the next one was added by Tanner, and this was Blue Lagoon. Reiner Knizia game. It's been interesting. I've been wanting to play it. Um, I have just, have not had the opportunity yet. Um, added by Tiffany was Photosynthesis. I actively avoided playing this one. Why? Because I heard it's, like, super mean, and mean games just do not get played with my, around it's, my wife and not. stuff like that. Okay. It's not. I just heard, and she doesn't like anything that has a little bit of that take that aspect to it, so... There's no take that. It's just it's it's directly since the sun rotates around mm-hmm. the board, 
and creates the light paths. Yeah. If if I'm in a spot next to you and my tree's taller, then I block the shade from yours. Okay. I and get that. But... It's direct interaction, but I wouldn't say it's take that in any way. Yeah, it's just but that it's the, those kind of games. I still don't think she would like it. Yeah. <laughs> at all. I, in fact, I actively discourage her <laughs> trying it. That's the reason why I avoided it, because I yep. knew she wouldn't like it, and it didn't seem right. anything interesting to me either. Yep. Uh, cool. So the next one was added by Paul, and this is New York 1901. I remember you owned this, but I don't know if you still I've did. never owned this, but I did play it way back in the day. Okay. Um, the shop was... had it. That's where yeah. I remember seeing it. Yeah. This one was interesting, because a lot of people, like, when it came out, a lot of people attributed it to, like, oh, this is the next ticket to ride. This is, like, up there. Because it was also nominated for the Spiel, I think. Mm, and yeah. a lot of people talked about it. And then I was really excited to play it. When I played it, I was like, oh, that's it? Like, it's just kind of like a polyomino game. With mm -hmm. the, and that's about it. Um, it was it was good. I mean, it's I get why people like it. I was thought it was okay, but it was fine. And the last one added here by Casper. Oh, no, this is you. Go ahead. And the last one added here by Casper. Detective Club. I haven't played this one either. No, but this one looks good. I, I heard this one's hard to find. Yeah, and this was also a recommendation on like um, like a legacy list. Uh, I, a lot of people are giving mm -hmm. recommendations for legacy games. I don't think this is a legacy game. I think it's just a you know. A it's a campaign game. style game. Campaign though. style deduction game. Um, but yeah, there we go. Those are the ones added on. Um, and then let's talk about our honorable mentions here in a moment. Because uh, I also told them they, they did make uh, things out here. Oh, so they did. Plobe added Detective Club for me. It's not even remotely close. The next best for me would probably be Queen Domino, and that's merely a good game. The I, I've long loved the style of games where you creative, creatively interpret and try to communicate indirectly to players. What Detective Club does on top of that is implement one of my favorite variants of social deduction where the social deduction isn't all that off-putting, even to the players who aren't stellar liars. The reason for this is the wacky images. You can get often ridiculous levels of <clears throat> justification, even if you're not the traitor, which takes the pressure off the traitor player uh, and adds some amazing humor and listening to everybody else's nonsense. And Jason replied, I think I'll vote for the only one I played. <laughs> Did not specify which one that is. Yep. But sure, that's a good enough reason as any, I suppose. And when everybody's asking us why King Domino and not Queen Domino on this list, yep. Queen Domino is second on the the um, board the, game rankings. rankings yep. uh, however, because even though it's just a slight twist and maybe a little more complex than King Domino, King Domino was rated higher. So yes. uh, same reason why we don't add all the Shame Phillips on this. Uh, yeah, exactly. This is still part of the same series. Mm -hmm. A lot of it goes off of uh, King Domino Origins would also probably apply to this yes. as well. Alright, um, with that being said, let's talk about our honorable mentions. I have the Coin of Doom. Let's flip it to see who goes first. Here you go, Daniel. Yeah, you. So the first one I wanted to talk about is a silly, silly game. This is one of the first games I I bought a number of years ago, purely just by the concept. I love this idea. This is called Shaky Manor. Now, have I told you about Shaky Manor? Okay. Mm -hmm. So the way this works is simple. You have a box that is made up of eight rooms, I believe. And some of them have doors in between them, some of them don't. But you basically have it as a big shaking tray. And you have a bunch of different pieces, like a wooden snake that's like all windy and wobbly. You have like a rubbery um, spider that doesn't move very well when you shake it. You have an eyeball that's like a marble that rolls around like crazy. You have like a witch meeple and you have like ghost pieces and like all these silly little things. 
and you flip over a card, and everyone has to shake exactly those pieces to the right room. And knowing how to manipulate each of those pieces separately Mm -hmm. and how to shift them around and make only certain ones go into the room and not others is absolutely hysterical. Like, the rubbery spider is so funny because, like, the... It has very, very, like, soft rubber, right? Mm-hmm. But when you move it, it kind of, like, grinds up against the, the thing and kind of goes like this. And it shakes as it's going down. It doesn't, like, slide or glide or any any way. So it looks all cattywampus and it's going... And then you see the eyeball just shoot by because it's rolling, right? And you have all these different textures of different pieces of different weights. And, and trying to get those into the right manner is just a riot. I've had a lot of fun with this. The components are great. Blue Orange does a great job on that. And I don't remember it being all that expensive. And it's one of the few that have like a little window in the front of it to yeah. show off the components. And it works really well because you could literally just grab the box closed and play Shaky Manor. It's great. Such a good idea. I like it a lot. Shaky Manor. That's my third honorable mention. All right. So I'm actually rating these. Uh, actually should rate them uh, my favorite to my least favorite in a sense. Yep. But I do my least favorite first. Uh, the way I read it down, it wasn't like that, so I'm just going to go with what I have. But this is my least favorite of the three honorable mentions I have. I do like it, which mm-hmm. is saying something, because if it's my least favorite of my honorable mentions, and probably the least favorite on this list, it's because it, it's also a Phil Walker Harding game, so it's just a Ooh. bit of a disappointment for oh, me. Oh, I know which one this is. I did enjoy the game. It, it is a good game, but it was a bit of a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this yep. one's Neoville. Yep. And especially the big problem with this one is that I played it after uh, Cloud City. Mm-hmm. And so Cloud City, another Phil Walker Harding game, is actually really fun, even though it's not very colorblind friendly. Right, it's really not. But it's both are like city building in a sense. Yep. Um, one is more you're building like sky bridges and stuff like that, and pattern building in a sense. You're just Neoville as well. It's pattern building. Because yep. you're trying to make a good uh, large connection because you want to have like the largest... Uh, amount of desert or whatever sure. uh, style brick yep. uh, grasslands whatever because if you have the largest one you can claim one of the larger buildings and that's going to score you more points at the end of the game right. uh, and it does some other little cool stuff that i like but mm-hmm. it, as a whole package i was like this is really super complicated for a phil walker harding game yep. i do enjoy it i still rate it probably about a six it's I think um, when we did our Phil Walker Harding rating, I think it was one of our lower games. It was. Uh, I I think it's fine. One of I, the lowest. Lowest, yes. yeah, because we did like 20, 30, or no, like 23 games or something like that of the yep. Phil Walker Harding games. And this was down there in the 20s. I think it was either 20 or 21. It was down there. I think only one other game, really, that comes to the top of my mind was worse than this when we did the Phil Walker Harding. Yep. But it's a fine game. I do like it uh, enough. I mean, I don't actively dislike any Phil Walker Harding game other than one. Uh, but I keep it in my collection because it's so hard to find. <laughs> but uh, I haven't picked this one up. I don't know. If I catch it on a deal, I probably would. But I say at least give it a try, especially if you're not having issues like we do with colorblindness. You right. might enjoy it. It's a nice little city building. And this uh, one is not nearly as bad as one that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, uh, Cloud City is pretty bad about it. And it's mm-hmm. it's weird that both of these came from the same company, from the same designer. At almost the same time. Same time, yeah. But this one, it just it didn't hit like I wanted to. But it is fun. It's still I still rated a six. Yeah, cool. Uh, the next one on my list is that I wanted to talk about. Or did we want to flip the coin each round? Don't matter. Don't matter. Let's let's just continue carrying on. The next one I wanted to talk about. 
Uh, my next honorable mention is probably one of the more unique, strange games that I've that I've ever had, and I've always liked this concept. It doesn't sound like it's going to work, and my description will not make any sense as I'm explaining it, but just go with it because it'll make sense here in a bit. It's called Wink, and the <laughs> idea is every turn, every turn you take, you will have potentially a new secret partner somewhere around the table that only you know who that partner is, and at some point before your next turn, you must give them the information of what uh, that you are their hidden partner without being seen by any other person. So how this works is pretty simple. You have, like, I think 36 cards in the middle. They're just numbered 1 through 36, and you deal some out. I think everyone has four. On your turn, you move your pawn onto one of the spaces. That tells me, let's say I put it on number 25. Mm -hmm. If someone's holding the number 25, they are my secret partner for that turn. <sighs> so I need to figure out who that is before it comes back to my turn. Because I need to then guess. If I can, if I tell the, if I find out that it's you, then I'm going to guess your number. And then we both get points for, do, for mm -hmm. getting it correctly. So it behooves you to tell me it, it's beneficial to me. However... If at any point, and the way you clue them in is simply at some point, right? You wink at them or you, you clue them. You don't like kick them under the table or anything, mm -hmm. right? You don't make it obvious. You have to make now, it where everybody can see it. Could potentially see it, yeah. right. And now you could do other things. Like you could just like look at each other and, you know, and make it like try and allude to it as best as you can. But again, if anybody else sees that, then they can be like, ah, I think I, think I just saw that. And if they're correct... And I was your partner, then they steal both cards. And so it's even better. But at the same time, let's say that's the case. And Daniel is my secret partner because I put my pawn on him and I need to figure that out sometime. What if somebody else's pawn is on my card that I'm holding? I have to then clue them before their turn while I'm looking for his, while everyone else is looking at everybody. Oh my god, it's hilarious. This game has no right being as fun as it is. But it's like it's a game you play almost entirely silently, and then as soon as somebody goes, ah, caught you, and then everyone, ha, 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 and then I look over real quick before everyone stops <laughs> laughing, right? Because that's your opportunity. There's your window. You try to ease the tension and clue them off before anybody else yeah. notices. It's so wild. It this game shouldn't work, but it works so well every time I've played it. Still haven't played it. it it's. I mean, would you play it based on that description? It's absurd. It, it seems absurd, yeah. It really is. And it's just, as long as you go into it knowing, like, this is probably going to be the dumbest game I've ever played, mm -hmm. and in a really weird way, it's, it's a riot. Wink. All right, so the next game I'm going to talk about is my favorite of the honorable mentions. And the reason why I put it here is because I vaguely remember it. Uh, again, I don't play nearly as many blue-orange games as you do. And right. a lot of these games I haven't played in a long time, except for... Maybe two of them, including uh, actually three of them, because one is just recently played. Uh, but this one is Pappy Winchester. I like this game for what it does. It's a really yep. good little bluffing game. It's a little good bidding game. You're trying to bluff. Is your bid going to be bigger and stuff like that? Because it's kind of a little area control. Because you're basically going to be scoring based on the movements of the train or the boat. 
mm-hmm. uh, depending on what's going there. So you're trying to like, okay, how do I figure this out? How do I do this? Really great components, even though the train is kind of a little flimsy. Sure. But uh, I really did have fun with this one. You know this one a little bit better than I do because for some reason you have a vast knowledge of like 2,000 games in your brain for some reason. Uh, but no, I like it. I'm not a huge uh, auction fan, which is funny because it's my pick this week. And one of the games I'm picking is an auction game. Fantastic. I am garbage at auction games, but I sure do like them. What what I found out, especially this one I'm looking forward to playing, uh, I know it's a Kinesia game, Mm -hmm. but it's a closed economy. So all the money that we start with is all the money that's going to be played in the entire game. (laughs) Okay. So whenever you win an auction, you're splitting the money with the other players in that group. Yes, I like closed auctions. Those are really fun. Yeah, so I I think that one's going to be interesting. I do like that part of auction because now I know, all right, they have all this because Mm -hmm. I just bid that. Okay, so maybe I don't want to make it too rich for my blood in the next round when I do a next auction and stuff like that. This one doesn't have that closed system, but it still plays pretty well and pretty tight. And I remember playing this with our mutual friend, Jim, and mm-hmm. it's funny because we made the joke. I'm like, Jim, you just need to get a little bit more white beard and you look like Pappy Winchester on the it cover. It really does, yeah. But no, it's a fun game. I do like this one a lot. Uh, I remember having a great time with it. Yeah, I somehow ended up winning. I don't know how I did that, but I remember enjoying this and not just because of the win. I just thought for an auction game, this is not bad. No, <laughs> what it does differently is just so is so strange, the, right? The like, fact that it's an auction game with a little area control, but it all depends on where the things are moving to. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because you have a boat going down the like, river, the, the river, which is halfway through the board. You have a train track that's like you know crossing that one yeah. in the opposite direction, and then you have different things like tavern or or whatever different regions that can score in different yeah, ways. ways yeah, you're also trying to group certain ones together, and so and these all get auctioned off at entirely different times. Mm-hmm. So that so you're trying to set yourself up for a later turn or mm-hmm. uh, yeah. this current turn because you know this is about the score, but it's like right. But if I play my cards right, I go over this way, and I know I'll get more points if I win or go that way instead. Right, because I mean, if you're bidding next to the train track mm-hmm. and you're trying to group yours together, that's a totally different thing. If the train is gone versus if it's coming right up, yeah, and it's going to score. That that's a totally different auction all of a sudden, yeah. and it's all just how the random. And normally, like, the random lots being auctioned off shouldn't work either, As right? well, But yeah. this pulled it off really yeah. well. Makes it a dynamic market. So, like I said, we, we did it, uh, and we might should revisit this again uh, um, when we did a Chits and Giggles, the exception to the rule type thing. Yeah. Because this could be an exception to the rule. I'm not a big auction fan. I think right. at that time, auction bidding for me was for sale. Yep. This is up there with for sale. I don't think it unseats for sale, but I do like this one a lot. Oh, absolutely. I don't think it does either, but it's up there. Cool. The last one I wanted to talk about is yet another ridiculous dexterity game. Wait, uh, you talked you talk Wink. What was your second one? Uh, the first one that I talked about was Shaky uh, Manor. Oh, that's right. You started. Yes. Yeah, I started. Um, normally, I just ask you. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that's no, the last one place. I wanted to talk about today was... Another silly dexterity game that's quite simple. It's called Slide Quest. Have you seen this one? I have. I think you were showing this at the um, the shop at one point, and you tried to get me to play it. I'm like, no, I'm going to go over here and play this game instead. Like a real game. No. <laughs> no, I don't think I've brought it to the shop, actually. So the way this works is is pretty simple. It Have you, have you ever played the old school Labyrinth? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was getting this one mixed up with the um, the draw and write. Uh... Oh, yeah. No, 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 no drawing in this one. No, that's, that's something similar. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But um, Slide Quest, 
it it plays effectively like an old school labyrinth. You know, like the the wooden box. You have the knobs on on you know X and Y axis. Mm-hmm. You try and get the marble like not falling in the holes, get it throughout the maze and stuff. Mm-hmm. So this works like that, except the way they handle it is that there's a there's a plate inside of the box bottom itself, and this box bottom. Uh, has a bunch of different holes depending on the overlay you put on it. There's like 25 overlays that you could put, all that do different things. So you put the overlay on it, and you put your pawn, um, which has like a marble inside of it, so it can slide no problem, and you have to put it on one spot. And then on all four sides, there is a little, um, kind of like a little lever mm-hmm. that you put on it. So if it's two players, you each get two levers. Three players, one get one player gets two. Four players, everyone gets a lever on each side. And you are cooperatively trying to get this pawn slid down the path, avoiding no, the holes. I have this one. You have? Yeah. Okay. I, I think yeah, because we played it like five levels, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I played this also in uh, at Dice Tower West, because it was like... Maybe. 2019 Maybe. or something like that when this... Yeah, and like everyone's just kind of like pushing a little bit on the lever, trying mm-hmm. to get it like balanced. But you don't want it to like... fall in the hole, or do you, want, you don't want something to yep. hit you either. And there's, and not only is it just that, it's not just Labyrinth. Like there's a bunch mm-hmm. of scenarios. It's it's themed like a video game, but yeah. it's not really. But um, there'll be like one where there'll be like a little uh, red cylinder, and it'll say, that's a dynamite stick. Do not drop that. Yeah, <laughs> If yeah. that tips over, you lose, because it explodes. Or you have to get like a certain monster into a hole. Or like certain monsters into certain holes, mm-hmm. trying to defeat them. You know, it's it's so dumb and silly, but man, does it work well? And it's great components. It works. It if you like the idea of that, I mean, I can understand why some people wouldn't. But man, we've had so much fun just playing it. It's it's silly. And if your piece ever falls over, then you're just out. You know, like yeah, because they collapsed under their tiredness <laughs> or something. Like it's they play into the humor really well. It works really well. I can't recommend this one enough. And it's one of those things we always talk about, what a good thing about board games do sometimes. It gives you that yeah. toy factor. And this one is up there on that toy mm-hmm. factor. Yes, it does. All right, so speaking of toy factor, this is kind of there, but not as much. Uh, this is more, the more recent one we played. I mm-hmm. used to own it, but um, and I could never get it off my shelf of shame, so I ended up selling it before playing it. Our mutual friend had it on his shelf, and he wanted to get it played, so we ended up playing it recently. I did enjoy it. I'm just glad I don't own it anymore because, in all honesty, it would not get played. It it shouldn't work like it does. It's a roll-and-move, pick-up-and-deliver game, mm-hmm. uh, and this is called Dragon Market. But the, way, the reason why this does work is because of the manipulation that you have to do. So we're just basically pawns, uh, basically workers who have to go out there and pick up the things based on our card mm-hmm. and deliver them back to our port... Uh, but what happens is you're going to roll two dice, and uh, it averages out between, I think it's like six to eight, but you're, what did you say, it's like 6.23 or something like that average? Uh, yeah, uh, it's like three and two-thirds. Yeah, so the you, average. you're going to you're gonna somehow either score six or seven, sometimes an eight, and you can only move that way. But you're not just moving your pawn in a space, you're also moving the boats or turning the boats. But the boats can't hit things, and you cannot jump over the boat driver, so you have to manipulate the board and change it to get to where you need to go to get that certain resource. <laughs> uh, because you, and the first person to turn in two cards wins the game. It's basically a simple little race, uh, roll and move, pick up and deliver. All those things 
work really well in other games, but for some reason it worked really well all together in this Much game. better in this that, one. Yeah, that, that you would not expect. Especially when you're thinking like roll and move and pick up and deliver. I'd right. be like, someone could get like super lucky and be able to boom, boom, boom across the board. This one, the way you have to use your movements to manipulate the boats to get to where you need to go. Yep. And it's like you have uh, boat drivers at the end of the boats, and there's also boat drivers that are in the middle of the boats. So you can never jump over them. So you have to manipulate it a certain way for you to get off that boat, get onto the other boat, and then somehow make it up to the other side of that same boat. This way you can manipulate it to keep going mm -hmm. to where you need to go. And so there was points where I'm like, I have to go all the way over there. And then you took that and moved it all the way to the back side of the board. Now I have to find a way to get over there, grab that, put it on this thing, and then come over here to turn all this stuff in. Because you're trying to collect all four of your uh, components and then go back to your space and then deliver it. And then you get another card and you have to go collect another four components and get back to that space to win. Yep. Uh, this actually got down to the wire in that three-player game, too, because yep. uh, I was down to, like, I just needed to get back to my thing to turn oh, it in. Well, <laughs> down to the wire for you and our friend. Yeah. I was far, far from. No, no, you weren't, you weren't that far. You, I you just were, started my second card. You, and you had already picked up two of the pieces. Because uh, you're, you're, you got lucky enough with your second card. Your first two pieces were on the same boat. Yeah, but the second, yeah, they were on the same the boat. The other two but they pieces were on, the were on my side, side of the board. board. Yeah. So, but yeah, we were getting pretty close. I liked what it did. But again, it just wouldn't get played in this house. So if he wants to keep his copy, I'd be more than happy to play it. I did enjoy it yep. enough. Cool deal. All right, so let's get into our actual debate. Those were our honorable mentions. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how the debate works. Simple. We took the top eight. We already talked about that. We're going to debate this over five criteria. We're going to debate the game over ease of play, which is the first of our criteria. It's basically understanding how simple or familiar the mechanisms are. Mm -hmm. That's a good plus for it. The likelihood to get it to the table, whether that's the mechanisms, um, how simple it is, or even the theme. theme yeah. And then finally, how easy is it to learn, understand, and to teach to other people? That helps decide how easy the game is. See, this is, is good. This is going to be tough for us. Because mm -hmm. Blue Orange is very good about making the games teachable. They do. They do a very good job that. That part right there would be hard for it. Uh, and the next criteria we have is replay value. The length of time and scaling. Well, this is going to be another hard one here because Blue Orange games tend to hit like a really simple um, length of time. Yeah. Uh, minimum number of plays for the full experience. And expandability. Uh, what we mean by this is already existing expansions up to one possible future mm -hmm. expansion because if it has volume one, we're assuming there's going to be a volume two or confirmed by the designer or the publisher. Yep. And then we have meaningful choice. The impact on other players' strategies, your overall depth of tactics, strategies, or skills, and do arbitrary choices or AP affect your gameplay, that's a detractor from mm -hmm. this. All right, and what we mean by, like, arbitrary choices are, like, if all the moves are really good, is it just like, okay, I'm yeah. just going to do this because I'm still going to get yeah. it. Does, does your choices really, truly matter, matter. during the game? Yeah. Um, and the next uh, category is game immersion. Is the game fun to lose? Are you having a good time even mm -hmm. though you're getting your butt whooped? Yep. Uh, player interaction. This includes table talk, trash talking, role playing your character, and memorable moments, those stand-up moments that make you shout. Yep, and then uh, finally there's art and production. This is the art 
the graphic design and the pieces and components, which we already discussed, Blue Orange tends to have really good stuff, mm -hmm. but every once in a while they have a miss, and we'll talk about those when it comes to it. And a big one for us is the graphic design part of it. Uh, mm -hmm. We're colorblind, yep. so it's just rough for us if they don't be colorblind friendly. And one knock about Blue Orange is even to this day, they're still not the best when it comes to colorblind compared to other companies. Yep. And when all else says and fails, and if we can never come to a consensus even after all those choices, we put up a poll on the Board Game Revolution community group on Facebook, and you can vote on because your vote is important. It is the tiebreaker. If we can't come to the consensus, mm -hmm. you decide which moves on. And finally, the way this works is simple. We're going to break down each of them head-to-head -head battle, our top seed versus our lowest seed. We'll flip the coin of doom, we'll pull from the cup of doom, and that decides who debates first and for which game. Shall we begin, Daniel? Let us shall. Alright, our first round is King Domino versus Cloud City. Here we go. That was me. I biffed it totally. It's your, your go. I get Cloud City. Alright. So, let's get the cat out of the bag when it comes to this game. The colorblind friendly... Not so much. I, I am Terribly gonna, unfriendly. I am going to totally put the graphic design to King Domino right out the gate. Right off the bat. Uh, the components quality, though, the components is are great. really great. I love the little sky bridges that you're doing in this game. Because mm -hmm. uh, the whole point of this game is you're trying to put a... Is it a 4x4 four four grid, if I remember correctly? Mm, it depends on the player count. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's right. It depends on the player count. But you're building basically a grid. And you're trying to set up enough space between your buildings. So if I'm building a two-space... Uh, then my my bridge is not going to be very long. But if I have a four uh, or a five building, that space is going to be really wide. So I got to make sure there's nothing um, that's going to block it. So I can't put another four by four intersecting it. Yep. But I could put like a three bridge that can go <coughs> under it. I love that concept. And I love the way the game looks after we're done building because it's just like all these little random sky bridges across yep. the game you have a two under a three and then a four towering over everything else i love the way this game looks and it plays pretty simple out of the two i guess building base games of phil walker harding this is the better one even oh, though the big knock of uh, is the colorblind friendliness of it it's also one of the harder games to teach so that is a little, a little strange, it's, yeah. it's a little strange because the way you do it because you're basically drafting these tiles. Mm -hmm. And then you can decide, okay, uh, I can put this building here, and now that these buildings are in the same space, I can place a bridge on there. And you're basically just trying to crew the most points, and it's based on the bridge spaces. So I think like a two is like a two-pointer. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you build a four space, because it's going to be a wider berth, that's going to give you like eight points or something mm -hmm. like that. And so the scoring is a little wonky, but once you understand how this works, okay, like yeah. I need to make Longer sure... bridge, more points. Uh, but it is a fun, fun game. I'm not really doing it justice with this debate because, in all honesty, it is much more of a game of King than King Domino. But King Domino is so simple. Yeah, and, and you you haven't brought up one very valid point to it is that there's three different heights of the buildings, mm -hmm. and that's one of the biggest factors. Is that I said the two, a, the threes, and the fours. Well, that's the length. Yeah, but those are the heights too. <laughs> Uh, yeah so yeah there's the three different heights and the way you can build the bridges underneath or over other bridges but yeah. you can't build them on the same level yeah so knowing which tile you put down there's always two a minimum or there's always two towers that go on it mm -hmm. at different heights and you have to kind and of you, plan you, that accordingly you do want to space them out as much as you do because the longer bridge you get the more points you're going to get yeah 
but you do have like the different heights so you don't you can build over something but you can't p basically put them in a perpendicular aspect right i, I did mention that aspect. and it's worth noting too that if, if what we're describing doesn't make sense go look at a picture of this mm -hmm. because it's absolutely cool looking when it's yeah. done mm -hmm. um, it's one of the best looking games when it's fully built because yeah. it's just like that is so weird and so random but that graphic design though yeah yeah it's it hurts um so king domino this is a Spiel des Jahres winner, and so therefore, I'm already on board for it. I've always appreciated the Spiel des Jahres winners, and I think that this absolutely deserved it for a reason. Mm -hmm. This is a tile lane game, and each of your tiles are dominoes. They're numbered, I think, up to 48, and there's different ones for each of them. Mm -hmm. And they have different, different terrain lands. types. Yep, there's different terrain types. There's like grasslands, and wheat fields, and uh, water, and caverns, and all yep. these different types, right? And so the way it works is pretty simple. On your turn, you you move your pawn to a tile, and the the pawn that it or the the meeple, sorry, mm -hmm. move it from one tile to another. The one that it was on, you're gonna place that into your realm. You're you have to put at least one of the spaces next to an adjacent one of the same color, and you're effect, effectively building a five by five grid. However, you end up building it is up to you, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to group like groups together. Because a lot of the tiles have crowns on them. And at the end of the game, your, each group will be all of the adjacent squares of that type. Uh, so let's say like all of the farmlands. You count up all those times the number of crowns that are on inside of that group. So if there's three co collective crowns, let's say there's two on one tile, one on another. And you are able to combine those. Then that's how many points that group is worth. It would be like, uh, let's say five tiles, three crowns, 15 points. So you do that for every single group you have. Mm -hmm. Some of the more rare um, ones, like the caverns, have a lot of crowns on them, but they're not very common to find the tiles themselves. There are some that are incredibly abundant, but the crowns are very sparse on those. Okay. And you have to play effectively. Now, what makes this really interesting, though, is that there's always four tiles that are face up, and when it's your turn, uh, the turn order is decided by whichever tile is closest to the box. Let's say... Uh, I have my pawn there, then you, then our friend Dom. I would pick the next tile, which are put in numerical order, that I want to pick, mm -hmm. which will then determine the next turn order. Mm -hmm. So if I put mine on the third tile, I will likely be playing third on the very next round. Mm -hmm. So that's what makes it really fascinating, is that you move it over, you see how everyone else moves it, so sometimes you might want to get a better pick, and you might take a less prominent tile than you would normally want to, just because you're like, okay... I don't have many good options. I want to be able to choose my next tile and the next one because I'm running low on, on resources here. Okay. It works really well. It does. It's, it's a very functionally smart, too. and it did win the spiel for a reason. And it's Cathala. And it's Cathala, and that's like one of your favorites. And that's that's one of your favorite designers versus one of our favorite Fair designers. Designer. And, and the thing is, I prefer Cloud City over uh, King Domino. Sure. But there is a reason why King Domino is just so, so popular. It is. Yeah, there very much is. So I think, you know, um, let's break it down just real quick mm -hmm. because it, we, we got to. Yeah. Art and production, King Domino. King obviously. Domino, yeah. Um, even without the colorblind friendliness, the thickness of the tiles are yeah, really, really, really gratifying. Well, yeah. um, ease of play. That's King Domino. You it's, think so? It's, it's much simpler. Yeah. The, the scoring alone is complicated in uh, Cloud City. It's simple enough, but yeah. compared to King Domino. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's, that's multiplying. Um, replay value. 
there is one expansion for King Domino, and it has the sequel, Queen Domino, and, and it has King, King Domino, Domino Origins. Origins. So, um, they both play two to four, I mm -hmm. believe. Yep. Um, uh, isn't there like a King Domino uh, duel too? Where you yes, can... there is. There's a roll and write. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, as far as the ones in the series, they're both quick. They're both simple. Um, they both play the same player counts. So, we got to go by expandability. We yeah. play King like, Domino. King Domino. Which... Okay. Yeah, it gives it to it. I guess we don't um, need to break it down. <laughs> game Immersion, I would say uh, that would probably, for me, that would go to Cloud City because that game is fun to lose. You're yeah. having some good interaction. Yeah, and just the board layout yeah. at the end. Yeah, like, how it looks. really cool. But I do have to say, like, the Meaningful Choice, that, that, that I think those are the two that I would give to Cloud City. Yes. Meaningful Choice and Game Immersion, but everything right. else is straight up King Domino. Absolutely. Cool. All right, King Domino, moving on. All right. So our next one will be Spotted versus Goblet. One of these games I really love. And I know which one that is. All right, I'll be starting this off. And you get uh, Goblet. All right, so Goblet. This is a abstract strategy. It's like a Connect Four kind of thing. You're trying to... It, it's like memory meets tic-tac-toe is the best way I can describe it. You're trying to get three of your pieces in a row. I'm sorry, four pieces in a row, mm -hmm. um, whether it's a square, a straight line or diagonally. Mm -hmm. The first person to get four of their pieces in a row, regardless of whose turn it is, wins. And mm -hmm. how does that happen? Well, it's simple. And this is the reason why I love this game. <laughs> you, these pieces are effectively the top halves of nesting dolls, right? Mm -hmm. um, there is a number of cups inside of inside of each other i think there's there's three of each uh three or four of each size i think there's four of each of the three sets size, yeah right and they're all like our colors so one the smallest piece sits on the furthest inside mm -hmm. and it gets a little bit bigger and they're basically like cups so i can on your turn you move one of your uh pieces mm -hmm. either moving it from the supply that you have in front of you which you can only take the outside one mm -hmm. so you start off playing the biggest cups first or you can move one from one space to another on the board. Now, the reason that matters is because if you put out one of your somewhat smaller pieces, I could take my big piece and cover it up. Mm -hmm. But then you have to remember that because you might, you can even put one of your bigger pieces on top of and covering up one of your smaller pieces on purpose because then later on that prevents them from capturing it themselves. Yeah. And so let's say, for example, if I had a dark piece a light piece a dark a dark and i'm the light player mm -hmm. if i lift up that light piece that's in between and that reveals a dark a piece. dark piece underneath you the, my opponent wins immediately yeah. just because i revealed yeah. that mm -hmm. and that takes place before i put the other cup down exactly and that's what makes it that extra level it's it's normal it's kind of a simple abstract strategy you have to remember what you're doing but what you, you placed over uh so it's like yep. a cross between uh connect four memory and just a outright like not chess, but like checkers or something like that. Because yep. you're playing over that grid and you're moving pieces. Mm -hmm. Yep. So anytime that you... You don't capture a piece, but every time you encase another player's piece, mm -hmm. that can still come back. Like, it, there's nothing that's removed from the board. So it's really interesting how it works. That's Goblet. Great pieces. The original version of it came in an old wooden box. I love that version. I yep. have the mini version still. Mm -hmm. Um I gave my my big version to my buddy because he was playing it with his son. Oh, sure. I went to him when he uh, they got stuck in the hospital. I'm like, knock yourself out. And he's like, hey, can I give this back to you? I'm like, no, keep it. I have the smaller version, so. Yeah, you don't need the big version. Yeah, and your and son then, likes it a lot. They even have a kid's version mm -hmm. where instead it's like a three in a row. Yeah. But like you put out like the wooden sticks to make it look like a uh, 
tic-tac-toe board, right? Yeah. They just cross each other. And then, but they have goofy faces on the, mm -hmm. on the cups themselves. It's really cool. No, I, I do like this game a lot. But speaking of a really simple game, mm -hmm. Spot It. Spot It. This is probably the simplest game on the list because if I remember Very correctly, it, I haven't played this one in years. This is probably one of the first games I ever played in this hobby. You're, have you ever played I Spy on a road trip? <laughs> this is basically how you play this game. It's because something's going to come up and they have to be the first one to find it on that card. And I can't remember how many how the scoring works because it's just been that well, long. Well, so there's there's five different ways to play yeah, Spot It. That's right. And every card has exactly one picture that matches every other card. That's right. You have to find the... Yeah, so there's always going to be two pictures that match and somehow mathematically. I don't... I, I've watched a video of a mathematician actually breaking down yes. mathematically how it works and I still don't understand it. And I watch those videos a lot and I get most of them. But man, this one just breaks my brain. But yeah, so... Uh, what the way I prefer to play it is mm -hmm. there's one card in the middle that we all deal to, mm -hmm. but um, we all flip over our stack at the same time. And as soon as the first player finds the match, so let's say I say, "Oh, three leaf clover," I deal mine on top of it. Yeah, and now and someone has now to find the match. Anybody else? Can and it's find the first it. one out. First one out. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it's basically I Spy, but in a board game form. And so like when you're yep. playing I Spy with your kids on a road trip or something like I Spy mm -hmm. with my little eye, something yellow, they have to yep. figure out what you spot. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with this one, because you have to spot the, the clover. Yep. The big thing about this game is this had a plethora, not really of expansions, but standalone versions. Stuff, yeah. Versions. So you had like spot it, uh, like... I think at one point there was like a bluey or something like that, or like a blues clue. Oh yeah. yeah, I've seen like NHL. I've yeah. seen you know like all uh, sorts of logos ones. and stuff like that. Yep. So like company logos, there's just a bunch of spots on this. It's a very simple game that you can play with kids, mm -hmm. and because of the different variants, you can make it really easy to play with kids, or uh, more complicated as they get older. Like when you your preferred yep. playmate, uh, and that's the what you taught me. That's why yes. I was like. I remember that because I remember there's you have a deck of cards and you have to match something. Like I said, it's been a very long time since I played Spotted, sure. but um, I, I like I said I threw you a bone <laughs> for this uh, this uh, this one. That's fine. But I do like this one a lot. It is by far one of the easiest games that you're ever gonna play. This is and it's going up against Goblet. You can actually play this with younger audience. If for an abstract strategy, yeah. you can play that easily with a seven eight year old because if they play connect four they kind of know how this is and they just have to learn the nesting right. doll mechanism now just to clarify real quick for our european uh listeners because we do have mm, a few yeah this is double in europe yeah a double 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 yeah yeah, yeah and double is, in america it, we call it spotting right and and it, this was originally blue orange games and it was bought by asthma day yeah and then its own game it's not even getting printed anymore. Uh, oh, sure it is. No, yeah. they, they announced like after COVID they were going to print it out for a while. Oh, well, no, it's back. Oh, it's I'm back sure back. it's in publication right now. But yeah, no, it's a it's a fine game. I like yeah. it a lot. But for me, I honestly think Goblet should move on. Um, and the reason why, like, I give Ease of Play hands down to spot it. It's one of the yes. simplest games. Uh, yeah. I could even give it replay value just based on all sure. the little different stuff. But, like, the meaningful choice of how you move your pieces and trying to remember everything is in Goblet. Right. Uh, game Immersion is just uh, much more... That's the one I, I want us to talk about. Okay. I mean, because I agree. Art and Production is Goblet. Meaningful Choice is Goblet. And it's, Especially it's two that, two. that wood uh, that wooden uh, version. Um, yes. Yeah, that wooden version is fantastic. Uh, However, the thing is, I do think Spot It should move on, and that's because of the game immersion. Uh, anybody who plays it is getting into the fundamental, like, 
like not everybody likes a really deep strategy game like Goblet. And not a lot of people like memory nearly as much, you know. But the thing is that exciting, you know, speed, I, I know it's like silly and stuff, but that's something since it's so simple, a lot of people can be like, oh, wow, like, is it fun to lose? Yeah, because like you're saying, like, how are you figuring these out? They'll be like, lightning bolt, uh, snowflake, snowman, like all these, and you're watching them and you freeze up and you're like, how, how are you doing? And you just like forget that you're looking at yours. It's silly. I've always had fun. And one of the things about it, though, it's is not that fun for me to lose in that game. I, 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 everyone else who I've ever played with <laughs> it is totally fine with that, and I get why you're not. No, like, it's just because I'm not a good speed gamer, and I, I don't and see fine, patterns yeah. and stuff like that, and so it takes people out of it. And I've played it, games of Spot It originally because you showed this a lot at the shop when yes. we first got into it. Mm -hmm. When I played it, there's there's not a lot of talking in there, too. So you're not really no. getting into the player interaction well, part Well, you don't of have it. time to talk. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's more interactive, but it, the fact is, like... And I've had a, more memorable moments in Goblet abstract... because when you... Sure. Oh, crap, I yeah, forgot that, about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you lift up the cup, sure. But just that speed, I mean, there's a reason why speed is played with cards, you know, or, like, there's a, those fast games, like, Spoons and, like, the classic games that kids and families yeah. are familiar with. No, so, but that, doesn't go, into the, that doesn't go into the game immersion part of it. No, that, that gives it into the excitingness of it, because every single time, you, if you're done, like, the last card's boom, 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 done, got it! And then people hands up and they, and they love it. Mm. I mean, I, I'm not saying just from my own experience. I mean, I, I like both of them quite a bit. I'm saying from every other player I've seen play it, yeah, it, you've seen who, a lot of people play, but I've also seen a lot of people play Spotted in uh, Goblet. And, and I've I've known and the vast people... majority of people don't sit there and just go like, oh 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 oh, I hated that uh, you know? because of um, I mentioned this. I gave my wooden copy to my buddy who plays it with his son. I I literally gave them Spotted because this is one of his uh, for his one of his first birthday gifts, and at five. He wasn't a fan of that game, but he liked Goblet a lot. So I don't. You play with some grumpy people because everyone else who I've shown Spotted to has a riot, and there's a reason why anybody who's not a gamer, if I'm like, hey, just come play a game, Spotted's one of my first go-to because of that reason. It just works. So I'm willing to call it a wash since you're not backing down. I'm not backing down. We'll refresh it. We'll see who who gets past Spotted it. Spotted is at four percent. Goblet is at three, three. So Spotted moves Spot barely. Barely moves on. All right. Now, with that being said, I do prefer Goblet. I love abstract chat games. I just, I really do think it has its place being up there. All right, our next round: Planet versus Okaya, or also known as Naya, Naya. here in the United yeah. States. There we go. Yes, Crate, you would probably be way too good at that game. I couldn't agree more. Here we go. You're starting us off. And I get Planet. I'm kind of glad I got Planet because I remember this one a little bit better. I had to actually refresh myself on Naya because, yep. again, it's one of those games that I have not played in quite a bit. Um, but with uh, Planet, one, I have to say this for sure. When it comes to art production... Planet blows night. Now Naya is nice. It has those nice Ooh, tiles. It yeah. has a beautiful art on those cards. That's really hard to say. But that that world thing that you're doing on planet, yes, yes. <laughs> it's just 
there is one big knock to the production of Planet, which we'll talk about in a bit, but go ahead and make your argument first. But just by that component, that toy yes. factor we've been mentioning, yep. and when people see us playing that game, the, they the stop. Yeah, yep. They stop and look like, what is going on over here? Mm -hmm. I remember playing this game in the shop and actually made people stop at the table mm -hmm. to see what we're playing. Yep. And I played this at a convention one time, and again, it stopped people. Yep. And this is like when it was fairly new. Yeah. Uh, and at its core, it's basically a pattern building game. You're trying to make good habitats. You want to build like a large uh, ice cap or you want to build a large savanna and stuff like that because different things are coming out in the cards that are going to score different ways. So it's like, okay, and I think it's drafting if I remember correctly because you're yes. trying to pull mm -hmm. like a certain piece out. Uh, before someone else can block you from getting it. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of like, okay, I'm going to take this one and I'm going to put it here, but you only have a certain amount of spaces. So it's like, if I really concentrate on the polar ice caps, I know I could probably win there, but I have to make sure I'm concentrating on the other stuff here too. So the just that meaningful choice when you're, you're trying to figure out how you're going to build your pattern and get your scoring mechanism going, but also trying to make sure you're not uh, your opponents are not having right. good turns too is like I, I want to be really good in the ice caps, but I gotta make sure and, and some of them have like multiple pieces on them so you're like okay I'm gonna put this on the ice cap and then this goes with my savanna over here a little weird but okay yeah that works sure and so you're building like it's almost hey, the Antarctica <laughs> is still a desert you know it's it's fine it's a tile it's a tile placement game in a sense but you're playing on that that. Dihedron yep. and making this little cool pattern to get your good scoring combinations based on the scoring cards that are out there. Mm -hmm. And I think you only play until the planets are full, right? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone then, will then, get all 12 sides. Yeah. There. So there so, is some yeah. uh, variability on this one, too, just by basically what the scorecards mm -hmm. come out and how things get drafted. I do like this game a lot. It's not something I keep in my system because my wife didn't care much for it, but I did enjoy playing this one. Because I love pattern building games. And the way this one worked is like, okay, got to keep rolling this around. Okay, here we go. This is where I'm going to go. It's yeah. probably one of the best looking games on this list. <laughs> Nine is gorgeous, but this is really, really good looking. And yep. especially because it, we talk about it with like Everdell. That tree, even though it's like the clunkiest piece you're ever going to see, it's going to get people to come to the table and try to figure out what you're playing. And sometimes that's very important for this hobby. It will, but uh, unlike Everdell... This is, is very functional. functional. <laughs> yes. And it works really well. Yeah. yeah. So for me, I think Planet should move on as much as I like Naya. It's just that one, um, you can get more people to play this one too. And Naya is basically a two player game. No, yeah, I mean, it scales, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely scales more. Um, twice as many players, literally. Yeah. Two to four. Yeah. So Naya is a strategy game by. Uh, Bruno Cathala, which we spoke about yeah, earlier. Yeah, he, he works a lot with Blue Orange. He apparently. does, he does. And and the way this works is pretty interesting. You have only 16 tiles, mm -hmm. and those 16 tiles, you each have eight uh, poker chips. Mm -hmm. Absolutely stellar production on this. Like, the, the poker chips, they're big, thick plastic pieces, and they're screen printed with full-color images on this it. This is another, like, Connect Four. <laughs> it is another Connect Four, <laughs> because you literally win when you either get four in a row in a straight line or a two-by-two two grid. And the way it works is quite simple. It is an abstract game where the first player takes any tile and replaces it with their disc. Then they set that tile aside. All of these tiles have two different kinds of attributes. They have like a background and a foreground thing. Mm -hmm. So if mine says like birds and it has um, like rain in the background, then that means that the next tile you could place one of your pieces on uh, or replace one of your pieces 
has to either have rain or have a bird. The next player. Yeah, the next player. And so my tile that I chose determines how you can place. Mm -hmm. So for that example, you, that they let's say they put on a rainy one with leaves on it. So they set it aside. I can now put on anything with rain or leaves. Well, rain has already been used twice, so there's fewer options, but leaves are still there. Mm -hmm. But of course I want to get it optimally because I never want to give that point where I put down a piece that will give you the opportunity to get one of those winning conditions. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I need to make you, force you into a move that would allow me to have a winning condition. And that is incredibly valuable. I know, I, I think that's is, really smart. I think, personally, this is the most strategic game on this, this entire debate, mm -hmm. by far. Um, it is the least... I do like this one a lot. I just I had to remember it, because I haven't played it yes. in ages. No, and it works every really well. There was a, um, there was this guy, it, it, I forget his name, but he's a really big person in the uh, comic book industry. Do you remember his name? He was at one of the first conventions in El Paso. Well, uh, do you know, I, I need more. I don't remember what comics he was involved in. Cause I they're, remember they're... his name was, he was a pretty well known. He, it's well, like Stan Lee, it... except like, like B-movie Stan Lee kind of thing. Oh, so the older guy. Yes. Steve Ditko. No. No. no Who's no. the other one? Because Jai Lee is the only other one I can remember. No, it was somebody else. But there, there was a person who was pretty big in the community. Forgive me, I don't know much about comics, so I don't know much of it. I think but it was... that year um, at, at our convention, I was pushing around the games because I was bringing a whole bunch of games to demo and all that stuff. And um, and I remember my boss coming up and this, this gentleman who was like doing autographs and all that stuff for like all the fans. I personally didn't know who he was because I wasn't into comic books. It was Steve Dickel. It was not. It wasn't was Jack Kirby. It wasn't him either. No, I would have recognized the name. Um, but it, it wasn't any of those guys. But it the thing is, he was already done like signing autographs, and he was just kind of hanging out. And we started talking about games, which is something he didn't know much about. And so him and I ended up playing Naya together on his signature booth, which was hilarious. It wasn't Brett Booth, was it? It wasn't Brett Booth. No, he wasn't an artist. Um, it was like a uh, creative um, guy. Like... Like, you know how Stan Lee, like, he never... Oh, he uh, Soronko. 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 That's it. That's it. Yes. Wow, that was a long way to get there. <laughs> Thank goodness you had that poster there. Yeah, Soronko. Yeah. He he was just done, and so we started having a conversation about games, and to show him, like, why games are so awesome nowadays, I showed him Naya, and he was fascinated by it. Like, that might have got this... He also loved the art on that, too. He did. He loved the art. And so... The, the only reason why I think that this genuinely gives uh, art and production a run for its money is because the, the biggest component of um, Planet is it's a magnetic uh, dodecahedron, mm -hmm. and the tiles have magnets on them. And when you're shuffling those tiles, it makes it so infuriating <laughs> to try and shuffle it. magnets. <laughs> but that in a reason, like you can't just brrr, like shuffle like normal because they're all stuck together with Honestly, their magnets. I say with that, you just put them in a bag. <laughs> but they're still stuck together. You have to be like, all right, I'll pull this one randomly. There you go, and then I'll pull this one. And just pull them out. It's, it's frustrating. Other than that, though, that's really my only knock to it. I think this is, uh, as far as meaningful choice, this Naya wins that one. Mm -hmm. And even if I gave art and production to Naya for that reason, I still think uh, Planet wins all the others. Yeah, I, I don't disagree at all. Yeah. 
And you know I'm a sucker for tile laying, so I gotta give it to Planet. Alright, Planet moves on. And you're building a planet. You're literally... <laughs> like, like, literally. And, uh, I mean, 3D tiling is so good. So good. So, coming to the category of... I barely remember these games <laughs> at all. Because, again, one of them... Actually, both of these, I haven't played in, like, 10 years. Oh, boy. This is Battle Sheep versus Brave Rats. And you'll be going first. And I'll, I will say this. One thing about Battle Sheeps that I remember is the reason why we do Gamma now. Because the guy who came and showed Battlesheeps was on the Gamma board and got Zia to start going to Gamma. Who was it that showed it? I can't remember I the guy, remember but you get Battlesheep. Alright, that's fine. I will definitely talk about Battlesheep. Battlesheep is an area control game, and it quite literally a very simple one. You have a series of different tiles that are made up of hexagons that are laid out in some kind of random pattern to set mm -hmm. up the game. Then everyone takes their stack of sheep and places them in a single spot. I think you have about 20 chips that make up mm -hmm. the sheep. Again, these are nice, chunky, plastic, poker chip-like pieces. Each one screen-printed with sheep that represent your team. This is two to four players, and on your turn, you simply take a stack and take half of it and move it in a straight line down the hexagons as far as it can go. You choose which direction, and you choose how many you move. Mm -hmm. If... If you already have it where there's only one tile remaining in that stack, you just simply can't move that stack anymore. Yep. You also cannot go over other people's stacks or or chips. You also cannot maneuver around empty spots. So, quite simply, you're just trying to use these chips to block in your opponents, but without running out enough of them soon enough mm -hmm. where you can't continue to expand into these empty spots. It is an incredibly smart game. It works really well, and it's very simple to learn. The production is fantastic. The, even the cardboard tiles that you lay out, they're massively thick. The poker chips are amazing. And I think that abstract strategy nature of it, that area control, really works. I hate area control normally. That is done in an abstract strategy kind of way that works really well. So Battlesheep is my personal pick for this. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I can't stand Battlesheep. And it's one of those things where we have to take our bias out of this. I do not like this game. Uh, right. It's fine. I, like, I don't mind the mechanisms and stuff like that in it. I think it's a neat concept of trying to get area majority, <laughs> basically, or area control, basically blocking off the other players. Mm -hmm. But I really just... I was bored out of my mind when I played it. There's a reason why I haven't played this game in 10 years. The other one I haven't played for 10 years is the one i got to argue, which is Brave Rats. And the reason why I haven't played this in 10 years, it's one of the main reasons I don't have these style of games. I don't have two-player games really anymore other than, say, like Fox in the Forest because they just don't get played. The, basically, this is a, a gamer's version of war. Uh, if you uh, Challengers is a little bit heavier when it comes to the war side of it, but you basically have a hand of cards. I think the numbers are 0 through 7. And you're basically playing, uh, you and the player are playing one card at the same time. And then you flip it up. Whoever is the highest number wins. However, each card has a special ability. Mm -hmm. So that can influence the thing. And you're just trying to win four times. And so there's a little yep. push and pull. It's kind of a little bit of bluffing. You're trying to play mind games. Which card am I playing? Because I think the zero negates the seven or something like that. Yes. So if I play the zero on the seven, I will end up beating the seven. So I was like, okay, 
I know you haven't played your seven yet, and I still have my zero in for that reason. Is this time you're going to try to pull out my right. big card? And so there's a little push and pull aspect of it. So it's warm basically on steroids, but you're not flipping randomly. You're making the decision of what card you're playing, yep. how you're going to play it, and again, the powers will influence. And the first person to win four victories wins the game. I love the art on these cards. Uh, they're, yeah, they're ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, it's a good little strategic two-player game. I'm not really a big fan of these styles where I'm trying to play poker against you. Right. That's the reason why I don't play poker in casinos. I play blackjack because I only have to deal with the dealer. I don't have to deal with anybody else. Right. But I like the way this one worked. It just it never got played in my house. I ended up having to copy and ended up selling it because it just never got played. Um, but I do enjoy it. I think it's a fine game. It's fun. It's by far one of the simplest games out there because it's basically you're just playing a card and you're trying to beat the other person. Yep. First person to four wins. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, I think it only wins really ease of play um, because everything else... If I don't even think it wins that because since every card has its own ability... It's not that hard, honestly. No, it's not hard, but Battleship cut a stack in half. Mm. That's That's the game. I just did it. Like, I did every move. Yeah, no. But I, I still think it's one of the easier ones because you basically say it's war with a little bit more because uh, that's mm -hmm. how you described it to me and my wife and we played it. Yep. So I think Brave Rats I was easy to play. And honestly, I would say the, the art of uh, Brave Rats is much better than Battle Sheep uh, because it's basically just little tokens that you put across the board. But but the production is by far better. Yes, I I, I yeah. said the art yeah, is the better art, in Brave Rats. Sure. Everything yeah. else is probably better in Battleship. I think Battleship's gonna move on. Brave yeah. Rats just kind of sneaked into this one. Yeah, it's a fine little two-player game, and that's saying something because I do not like Battleship. No, and that's and that's fine. No, I I get why you don't like it. It's not your style. Um, and and Brave Rats still like I know why you don't like that. I'm just saying, like, the, the simplicity of Battleship of just moving a stack of chips. Like, that's that's Phil Walker-Harding-level simplicity, right? You know, it's dunk, done. You know, but that's not, all of it. Not really Phil Walker-Harding good. <laughs> fair, fair, but simple, yes. All right, so, uh, we agree, Battleship moves on? Yep. All right. And that finishes up our quarterfinal round. Mm-hmm. So, four games were eliminated. That was uh, Brave Rats, Okaya, Goblet, and Cloud City. Daniel, right. would you like to tell us how they were voted for? I'm giving it a nice little refresh here. All right. And see if the votes changed. I don't think they will because this has been up for two days now, and I think that's the max. Yep. Uh, yep, we have the same number of votes, so I don't have to refresh again. Uh, let's start with Cloud City had 3% of the vote. Uh, Goblet was at 3% of the vote. Yep. Okaya was at 1% of the vote. And then finally, Brave Rats was, where is that one? There it is, at 1% of the vote. of the vote as well. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah the, you can tell that there's not nearly as much love for those. The other ones, they're up there for a reason. But with that being said, let's go into the semifinals round. We have King Domino versus Battleship. Here we go. And that is my... I will be arguing first. Would, be, uh, would it be as interesting as a debate style podcast? We have more differences in our tastes than we do similarities, mm -hmm. I feel. Yeah. Well, maybe not. You get maybe King not. Domino. 
King Domino. Um, so King Domino's moving on. <laughs> I mean, let's let's think about this for a minute, right? I would give Battleship Ease a play. Okay, I'll give you that. That's it. But then again, honestly, King Domino is really simple too. The only hard part of King Domino is just the the scoring. Honestly, it's just the multiplayer. That's all it is. Right. <laughs> the hard part is well, not the scoring, but also like the turn order. Yeah. Manipulation thing. That's the other hard part. <laughs> yeah. It's not hard. <laughs> it's not hard at all. It's by right. far one of the simplest yeah. games on our list. Right. Exactly. Because, I mean, here's the thing. It's literally two additional choices versus one, one additional, additional choice. choice. Yeah. Right. So, King Domino, I, I think, obviously, I'd give Ease of Play to Battleship. But everything else, um, King Domino has a lot of different choices. Um, the way that you choose your turn order and how you draft your tiles deeply impacts the other player's strategy. This is the only one with expansions. There's not really much you can do to expand Battle Battleship, honestly. I mean, it's it's good as it is. It's like yeah. trying to expand checkers, right? There's no real reason to do it. Um, honestly, this is closer to Chinese checkers than it is to checkers. That's true. It's closer <laughs> to that one. Um, game immersion. I mean, you the art on it, there's a lot of little subtle art that mm -hmm. like kind of adds to the silliness. Like, I know in one of the water tiles, there's like a little Loch Ness monster like yeah. silhouette. And there's, like, silly little things on there. And on top of that, you have a little, like, uh, 3D little castle that sits, like, right in the middle tile that you have. That's fun. You know, that's that's a nifty little thing. Um, it, there's a lot of different fun parts about it. The game is just fun. I mean, it's simple. It doesn't need to be anything, but um, I would be very surprised if it doesn't move on, but I still want to hear your side of the argument. Uh, Battleship... Uh... <laughs> but uh, in all honesty, Battleship is actually a really smart game, even though I don't really care sure. much for it, because of the basically, and it's a good tactile game too. Those those yes. bake light those chips, are uh, the chips are really nice. Because yeah. at, at its core, we were talking about it, it's the kind of like Chinese checkers. You're probably you're trying to take as much of the board as you can. Uh, for you to win the game. And so you have to make strategic choices. How am I going to take this off this stack? How do I... Do I want to take four and block this area? But then that only leaves me four to go this way. Or mm -hmm. however you're doing the stack. Um, but then if I go four here. Which will block this all off. And I got my six over here. Then I can start working this way. And take that part of the board. It mm -hmm. is it is very a, a very tactical game. And it's a multiplayer abstract strategy game. In mm -hmm. a sense that you don't see all that often. I don't no. think our... Most abstract the, strategy games are two players. Two players. Like, Corridor is probably one of them that pulls it off yeah. well. And, yeah, but there's really not too many that pull off four-player abstract so strategy well. So, for that, I think that's also neat with Battleship. And yes. it's really well done. It's got mm -hmm. some great components on it. But, honestly, with, the only <laughs> big thing for me is, with, like, the meaning uh, meaningful choice aspect of it, is there is a lot of strategy that you have to do in this game. Right. There's no random. Yeah. you ha There's no arbitrary choices. But, th and when it comes to that part of it, too, AP could be a real big factor in both of these games. Yes. Because you're sitting there like, oh, if I do this tile, and then you have to puzzle that out. And then someone takes that tile I was looking at, and I'm like, okay, now if I can do this tile, how do I puzzle this out? Right. Uh, Battleship, you have to be tactical what you're doing. It's like, if I do this over here, but if I do this over here, which one would give me more of the board? And then he did there. Can I trap him in there? There is a lot of AP in both of these games. And I know this for a fact, because I play both of these games with high AP players. Mm -hmm. So, mm, to push or pull on this one. The only reason I think Meaningful Choice goes to um, Battleship is because 
there is no arbitrary choices. You have to be smart on how you play your strategy, yes. how you are skillful at what you're doing on this one. Mm-hmm. And because what you do can impact someone else. If you block 100%. them in, if you block them in like a, one of their bigger stacks, you block that stack in, they're kind of screwed because they right. can't take over more of the board. All they can yes. do is play in this little section there and just try to spread right. as much of the board they can in that little section. Yep. So it is very uh, tactical in that spot, but I honestly think ease of play and meaningful choice goes to Battleship. Replay value, game immersion, art production, I think all of those are King Domino. Okay. Um, yeah, I I don't disagree with that. I think King Domino does move on because it really is more immersive, there's more replay value, and it's the, the art and production is just fantastic. Oh, yeah. All right, and cool. that's saying something because Battleship has those nice little tiles. Yes. But that's that's the hard part about you know the same publisher going up against Gets each, each other, other. Yeah. when we're doing these publisher ones yeah absolutely cool next one is spotted versus planet fall I never thought I would say that <laughs> spotted versus planet fall I said that wrong spotted versus planet <laughs> I was like yeah Ar- you'll be starting us off planet falls arcane wonders yes pl- planet falls arcane wonders how did I get planet just, again that's interesting we just played it. <laughs> All right, so I get to argue planet once again. Everything I said about it in the beginning, I still hold true. I prefer planet because of the mm-hmm. tile laying. There's a lot more tactical uh, strategy in this game. Right. You have to be smart of what you're drafting, how you're scoring, uh, and also impacting someone else's choices. Yes. Spot it is basically a speed game. Hey, I'm going to play this, I'm going to play this, and I'm going to play but this. But five different speed games. Don't, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. But it's still a speed game. You're not really having to strategize your next move. You don't have to really think very hard. You just have to be good at spotting things. I can play I Spy and try to figure something out. So, but this one, I'm like, I got to build this pattern good. I need to do this. Uh, I I say spot it wins probably ease of play because it's that simple of a game. Uh, And maybe I'll give you game immersion. I just because planet can be multiplayer solitaire because i remember playing this game and no one's talking at the table because everybody's just you hear mumbling more than anything there's no role playing or aspect of that so people are just talking out that turn but i think replay value in planet uh, other than you know the multiple different things but the one thing i have a gripe about spotting they have all these different things right Mm -hmm. They can't interact with each other because they're all different yeah. symbols. They're on all singular, they're singularly, yeah, single yeah. Uh, games. So they're not yeah. expansions per se. They're right. just a single game. It's just different art. Uh, so replay value, there's a lot more tiles that can come up or yeah. different uh, concepts or the scoring cards can be different when you're playing Planet. Uh, I love the art production in Planet. Yeah, I get what you're saying because of the magnets, but the magnets work so well in this game. Yeah. Does a They're great... necessary. Yeah. yeah, and it just looks really good. So for me, I think Planet <laughs> should move on over uh, Spot It. But let's hear your argument for Spot It. Multiple million copies of Spot It have been sold, and there's a reason for that because this can be played with non-gamers. Mm-hmm. Planet, not so much. I mean, it's a little heady, like especially with the 3D aspect of it. Um, so, I mean, without a doubt, ease of play gets it. And in fact, um, replay value. I do want to point out the fact that not only is it double in Europe and um, spotted here in the United States, there's actually a third version. I don't know if you know about. It's by Exploding Kittens that they've reprinted it. It's called Anarchy Pancakes. Oh God. 
and they made their own version of Spot It that you Here, here's my thing. It's with, the same thing. With uh with uh, Which I can appreciate. Exploding kittens. I hate your names, guys. Come <laughs> on. Yeah, it you know, I get it. But I mean Anarchy Pancakes I think the people best, to buy it. I think right? the best name game that they have right now is Mantis. <laughs> yeah, and that's saying something. Yeah. I mean but People love the oatmeal. People love the style of no, art. I, and, I get it, yeah. And it's in Target still, you know. That's the And it's a mass market type pop. thing, yeah. It is a mass market style game. But with that being said... But they ruined Happy Salmon because I don't like <laughs> their version of Happy Salmon. I like that it can play more players out of the base box. I get that. You don't that. need a second box. That's cool. But I think the art is better in the original Happy Salmon. Yeah. The more stars. Uh, you should pull up the art for Anarchy Pancakes just so you can see it. But... but Pull that up. I don't need to see it. I've seen a exploding kitchen's happy salmon art. It's the same. No, way. no, no. It's different. It's different enough. It, it's it's humorous. It's silly. But um, but with that being said, you're right. It, yes, there's five different instructions on how to play it. Mm-hmm. But it's really just five different variations on the same game. That's why I picked my favorite one. Um, and and that's why I go with the one with the single one in the stack, and you just speed play the ten. Mm-hmm. As a player who who's grown up on those speed games, and and I understand why people appreciate it, though. This is a gamer's podcast. Mm-hmm. And even though Game Immersion it has those memorable moments, which Planet definitely does, and it's no. pretty stale. Yeah, it's, yeah. And it is incredibly simpler to play, because I can teach it in 10 seconds, yeah. if that. Replay value, uh, meaningful choice, art and production, Planet, hands down. Yeah. Planet moves on. Yeah, I don't disagree on that one. Uh I, like I said, I don't mind Spot It. It's a good game, especially for like the younger audience. For, for what it is. Yeah. No. But it's just... It's bland. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's it doesn't fulfill the need that a lot of gamers, gamers need. need. Yeah. Right. But that is literally a game you can throw in your pocket and bring to anybody and play it with them. I get that. Uh, yes and no. For the simple fact, I've played this with my family members, uh, and my grandma hated this game. Again, but you're playing with grumpy people. <laughs> well, I mean, that, my, my grandma is a very grumpy person, I mean, so... Sure, like, and, and no offense to your grandma, I've never met her, I don't know. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying, though, is that, like, this is literally, like, the fact that she sat down and was willing to play it, thus proved my point. That she would, like, if she saw a planet, she'd be like, no, no. I, I can't imagine what do you mean? most people play it. Well, yeah, no, my grandma wouldn't play it. Everyone right? would stare at it and go, ooh, that's cool looking. But, but my, most people would be intimidated. But my grandma, like, back in the day when I was growing up, she was a hardcore cribbage, pinnacle, uh, bridge, mm-hmm. all those games. Yeah. But and so she plays card games, yeah. Sure, that's the lifestyle, though. Yeah. I mean, how many Magic players do we know that branch off into many other board games? Not as many as there should be. <laughs> Not as many as there should be. There are some. Not as many as there should be. Actually, know quite a few people who used to play Magic, but now into board games because they got sure. tired of you know the Magic cycle in a sense. So. Right, but had they not been tired of the Magic cycle, let's say it, Magic just stopped and it just became like more of the same and more of the reason why they loved it, mm-hmm. there was no reason to leave that game. But that's what I'm saying. Like people who play Cribbage and Bridge, like on a regular basis, like Mahjong on a regular basis, mm. that's their game, yeah. right? And somebody like that, I couldn't show Planet to and go, you want to give it a shot? And they go, oh, absolutely, versus, hey, you want to try Spot It real quick? They're like, yeah, I'll tolerate it for a moment. You know what's funny? You know what I mean? My grandma actually liked um, uh, The Crew. 
Well, that makes sense. <laughs> that's, that's a... It just thought, popped in my head right now. Yeah. So I was like, that she really enjoyed of, the crew. If she likes bridge, crew is an easy <laughs> translation to that, right? Uh, but but plan it is not. <laughs> no, it's not. All right. That goes into our final round. But before we do, Spot It and Battleship were both eliminated from our list in our semifinals. Let's take a look. Yes. Cribbage and Backgammon. Let's play. Uh, spot It, 4%. And then the other one was Battleship, right? Battleship. Yep. Battleship was at 8%, so it's gotten some love. All right, so now we have the final two. This, we we do not debate either side. We're just going to break it down point by point. This is King Domino versus Planet. Winner takes all, best blue-orange game. Daniel, is there anything that's immediately obvious? Art and production. Art and production, I agree. Planet? Yes. <laughs> yeah, because of that, uh, that dodecahedron. Yeah. It's so good. It's so great. I keep wanting to say icosahedron. I apologize to the math people. Icosahedron is a twenty-sided. Yeah. My apologies. This is a twelve-sided. Yeah. Dodecahedron. But it's it's. And don't it's, you forget it. It's so gorgeous. No, don't get me wrong. I love the the tiles and yes. King Domino. I mean, the art on that is better. better. But yeah. That production is really yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. I I know you gripe about the magnets, but they're really cool. No, I mean, it's just, it makes it functionally difficult. And that's one of the only... I get that. That's the only example out of all of these games that I think has a functional <sighs> problem with it. Is that it the any part of the production that makes it harder to play the game as it's supposed to be played is, is a knock to the production. Huge knock to the production. Okay. It's just have... like something not being colorblind friendly. Yeah. It's like, we can't play it. Yeah. I have one more that does stand out to me. Um, let me see if I can guess it. Mm -hmm. King Domino versus Planet. Ooh, um, ooh. Is that replay value? Mm -mm. No. Okay. Oh, he's, he's a play. play. He's <laughs> a play. That's Planet as well. Yeah. Uh, no, I was going to say King Domino. Oh, no, it's Planet. Both of them are drafting, except drafting with extra steps for King Domino. <laughs> that is true. Okay. I, I mean, they're that. both tile laying, they're both area. Yeah, but if people are like, coming over from, like, Dominoes, it's not that hard to a concept of how you lay things down, too. Well, sure. Okay. But the scoring is very different than Domino. I'll give you Planet. That's fine. Yeah, I, I think Planet goes to ease of play. Now, with meaningful choice, though, there is... Uh, it, I already know what my meaningful choice is, but I want to hear your argument. I, I do think that would be King Domino. Yes. And that's because the variability of each of the tiles, knowing the hierarchy of how valuable they are, mm -hmm. and knowing and having to adapt your strategy based on what is available... Because yeah. you only have a limited number of tiles that you can branch off of it. You might purposefully try to go out of your way to to, to lay something down that you normally wouldn't be able to just so you have more options later on in the mm -hmm. future. Yep. That's a huge thing. It, 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 like we talk about it here, impacting uh, or depth of strategy and tactics and stuff yes. like that. You're playing, it's kind of like that chess. You're playing a couple moves ahead. It's like, yeah. I know this is not going to be great for me now. But if I play this right, it'll be great for me scoring-wise later. Yes, absolutely. And Planet doesn't do that. No. In fact, you could put opposite tile types next to each other. Yeah. And there's no penalty. There's no for penalty it for other you. than the fact that you know you're, it's probably it's just not branching off still. Yeah. And you're not making those bigger and bigger groups, yeah. which is not so much a detriment, but just that's functionally how the game is supposed yeah. to be done. But at the same time, it just doesn't quite work as well. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Uh... Meaningful choice is... King Domino. King Domino. All right. Now. I'm going to skip game immersion. Let's go to replay value because... Okay. That is King Domino. <laughs> because that is the only one with expansions. 
It plays the same number of players. And it has multiple versions. It, like, uh, Queen Domino and King Domino can be mixed together. And that's mm-hmm. a big thing, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We never right. mentioned that. But, yeah, you can integrate both of them together. Yep. In fact, they're, uh, I think they were selling a big box with both of them in there, plus yep. expansions. Yep. Yep. So, replay value, definitely King Domino. So, it comes down to game immersion. Both are fun to lose in a certain aspect. I think for that part, I think King Domino is just a little bit more fun to lose because of just the the much more <laughs> strategy you're thinking. It's like, oh, okay, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. Oh, I thought I did really well. Hello. The multiplier is what gets that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like, it's like like I have a I have ten spaces full of wheat, zero crowns, worthless to me. Yeah, love it. You know, like. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, no, right? it's like, I did really good on the wheat. Oh, wait, I didn't get a crown in there. Yeah. I'm screwed. <laughs> and that's dynamic, right? It's like, man, I like I will I, I need to get first tile here so that way I can get any wheat crown I can get a hold of. Because I'm not getting it otherwise, right? And for me as well, I honestly I think this is gonna be King Domino winning game immersion because the memorable moments. I remember playing this when we were on lockdown. We played this on our uh, uh, board game arena. A board gamer. No, we got oh. the Steam because uh, it was oh, part of yes, the humble yes, bundle. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, we played this as a group, and I remember uh, we were making fun of our friend because he kept pushing it and pushing it, but he was like, he was just waiting for that one tile to come up and that one mm-hmm. tile to come up, and when it came up, it made his multiplier go to like twenty points or something yes. like that. And yeah, I remember everybody at the table was like. I think we just lost, but that was freaking amazing. <laughs> yep, when he came back from New Orleans. Yeah, pretty much. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, and so I just remember those memorable moments. You get some of that in Planet, but even then, it's just... Well, what the memorable moments that... And this isn't so much a memorable, memorable moment, but it's every game at the end of it. You sit back and you just observe your creation. Mm-hmm. And everyone has that moment where they're just looking around they're like... This is cool. Yeah, you know? and they do. It's almost cathartic, yeah. right? It's that the that moment alone shines every single time you play it. That is and true. And it is, and that's the most memorable part of the game. Is not not how you pick the tiles, not how you get the scoring. Is literally just when everyone's done and they're holding this planet in their hands. That's impactful. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with that aspect. I just I. Th- Think the memorable moments in King Dominoes when you pull off the really good combos or you find that tile that you need to when, get. When the flop hits, yeah. Yeah, and then you're also thinking about like the player interaction in there is like, don't you take my tile, Dom. Yeah. No, no, I'm going to go early. I'm taking that tile. Right. You should have done earlier beforehand. So there's, a, a like, when we were playing King Domino and we weren't around each other, we were just doing this over, like, Discord while playing on the Steam. And right. I just remember... We were having a great conversation, and I've done that with the physical copy, too. There's a great conversation where you're trash-talking each other, where it's like, you know, in Planet, yeah, I could take that and screw you, and I'd get a really good thing. Right. Or I could take this one, you still get your really good thing, and this is a great thing for me. Right. (laughs) So. Well, when we think about the overall arcing of this category, right, Mm -hmm. it's game immersion. Which one feels like it's doing? Do you in King Domino? Do you feel like you're building a kingdom, or do you feel like in Planet you're building a planet? Because I feel like at the end of the game, like you look at that globe and you're like, man, I messed this up. Like, <laughs> like and even how you said it earlier, it's like, man, the Arctic is right next to the Sahara. Somehow, <laughs> you know, like, and I feel like as the overall, it's so hard to compare the two because. They offer, I think, equally memorable moments in two incredibly, incredibly different, different ways. ways. Yeah. 
And and they're both that impactful. Um, now, with that being said, though, that I'm saying I think they're both fun to lose and they're both memorable moments. I think both of those are washes. Okay. Player interaction, though. There is, like... I don't care what you're doing in Planet at all. Like, if you take a tile, sure, whatever. Yeah, there's something but, that's going to come up for me better. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. It's like, oh, wolves can't live here. Whatever. I don't care. Right. But, but I'm, take I'm in case right here. Right? <laughs> this is my life right here is this 12 tiles that I'm putting pentagons together to make this thing. This is where I am at the moment. That's your head Versus yeah. player interaction. Like, which one am I going to be like, like, haha? Take a look at my kingdom. Yours is dumb for no crowns. You know, like, but I think that extra little table talk, that role playing no, is what pushes kingdom. That over. also you mentioned it too, where you're thinking about like that player interaction is like, aha, look at all those wheat you do, and this is a wheat uh, with a crown on it. There's no points for you if I take this tile, <laughs> and it will score my wheat at least five points. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna take this tile. Yeah. You, like you have a massive wheat field, but I have the one with the crown, <laughs> and I'm scoring more points suddenly. <laughs> yes, it that part alone about it. It's like, haha, you are feeding no one. <laughs> it's like you know, it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, it screws you over, and mm -hmm. I, I'm not a real big fan of take that. But I'm still making points by taking this crown. I went from right. zero points to five points, and you went from ten points to nothing. Right. No, so I... And that's my reasoning. I think, immersion-wise, like, I do feel like Planet is slightly more immersive, but King Domino, I think, takes the category. Mm. Do you agree? I agree. All right. Which means... Ba -ba 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 -ba, King Domino is... The number one blue-orange board game. I did like that one a lot. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I didn't remember half these games sometimes. But doesn't this make you want to play some more blue-orange like, no. pretty soon? No. Because I know it sure does for me. <laughs> I really want to go home and play Naya, like, right now. Oh, I mean, I'll play Naya. Like, some of these I will play. Like, Goblin, I would like to get to the like table. Cloud City is Cloud, Cloud City is so good. So good. Uh, I wouldn't mind playing Pappy Winchester and Dragon Market, which were on sure. my honorable mentions again. I did like those a lot. Don't get me wrong. I like Blue Orange games. They're good for what they need to do. It's yeah. just not my style, what I enjoy. They embody I, that market. Perfectly. I know you like those family-friendly, mm -hmm. Euro-style, tactical stuff. I want something just a little bit more. Sure. Uh, so something like Gizmos. I did pick hits. up Bella Magica, which is another Blue Orange game. And I am very curious to see how that one works. Yeah, I don't out. even think I have many blue orange games anymore. I think I sold no, most I of mine. No, I got rid of most of yours. Yeah, yeah. more than likely. All right. Well, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you ever want to join us on a live episode, oh wait, real quick, what were the vote totals? Oh yeah, that's we right. We need to talk uh, about the vote totals. totals. All right. So we already talked. So the last one is Planet that got eliminated. That had four percent of the vote. Come on, people, play more Planet. And that's because King Domino dominated this uh, <laughs> <It> king dominated <laughs> yeah it dominated this category it had 50 over half of our votes which was like nearly 50 votes it was at 50 or like 48 or six yep. something like that yeah 54 percent was king domino this yep. thing just ran away with it on our vote total even the ones that other people have added didn't even come close to it i no. think the highest was six percent yeah and um, there's been a lot of games, Crate, that you've helped me with the colors, colors on. Yeah. I don't remember if Cloud City is one of them. It might have been. But, um, if you Google it and look at the bridges between it, if you remember it, then it's probably the one. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, we want to thank you for tuning in. If you ever want to join us on a live episode, like our friend, 
Creative Chaos or Mario Fanatics, Mario Fanatics or who was up on, on the top end that I missed out? Luma Flames or something like that? Yes, Luma Flames. I apologize I'm saying your name wrong. We'll check it here in a bit. But if any of our friends uh, want to join us. In Flames. On a, in Flames, thank you. Join us on a live streaming of our podcast. You can do so. We stream it live on twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames and join in on the conversation. Uh, all video re-uploads can be found on YouTube under youtube.com slash at everydayboardgamespodcast. And if you like what we do, there are three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you're not, like the video, and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. Which is, in this one, what are your favorite blue-orange games? And I totally messed that up because the next one was supposed to be our Twitch one. If you want to contact us directly, whether it's to enter in future contests, whether to give us ideas for upcoming episodes, or simply just to say hello, you can email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, Podbean, and Apple. So we want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.